Did God really hate Esau? Paul's second Midrash in Romans 9, verses 6 to 13. If you have listened to my explanation of the mechanics of Paul's first Midrash in Romans 9, 6 to 13, I applaud you for returning to comprehend the mechanics of the second Midrash. Mazel tov. So, let's look now at the mechanics of the second Midrash. Paul cites two more verses from the Hebrew Scriptures. Both continue to be about God's selection of one who is worthy to inherit the birthright. We read, The older will serve the younger. That's Romans 9.12, citing Genesis 25.23. And then the second verse, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. That's Romans 9.13, citing Malachi chapter 1, verse 21. The older is Esau, who sold his birthright to his younger brother Jacob, who then acquired the blessing that accompanied the birthright by deceiving his father Isaac. However, God did not declare Jacob worthy of this special inheritance until after he had spent 20 years in exile in Padan Aram which is an echo of the 40 years of wilderness wandering after the exodus from Egypt. God declared Jacob worthy of this leadership role when he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. As for the second verse from Malachi, Jacob I loved but Esau I hated, I suggest that the English translations have badly mishandled the interpretation that Paul intended with his Midrash. The English word hate, which has been used in the translations, takes on a negative meaning of such intense feeling that the person is utterly condemned. Hate in English is a very powerful word. However, I do not believe that the meaning hate is what Paul intended. God does not hate in this English sense. Instead, he withholds his love, not for the purpose of condemnation, but as a method of selection. The Greek word hate in Romans is Miseo, and the Hebrew word in the cited verse in Malachi is sane. Both the Greek and the Hebrew mean to feel and express intense emotion of delight, of dislike. However, the Hebrew word sane can be used in two ways. Let us look at the first meaning, which is closer to the English word hate. For example, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. The jealousy of Joseph's brothers led to their intense frustration that was expressed as dislike and perhaps even hatred. However, in addition to a strong feeling of dislike, Sané can also carry the meaning of unloved. Withheld love is very different from the English word hate. We see this sense of being unloved in the Jacob story, where we learn about Jacob's feeling for his two wives. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. However, God entered the story with loving compassion. The Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. That's in Genesis 29:31. Unloved is the English translation for sane, which has the two meanings, hate and unloved. Did Jacob hate his wife Leah in the English sense of condemnation? Certainly not. Yet Jacob withheld his love from Leah and gave his love to Rachel. And God withholds blessings from those who are walking in sinful ways of the world.
Therefore, when Paul cited from Malachi, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated, I have concluded that Paul was using the Hebrew sane to mean unloved. God did not hate Esau in the sense of condemnation, but simply did not bestow his love upon Esau because of his unworthy behavior of selling his birthright. God does the same thing with us by bestowing love in the form of grace and withholding love as a form of testing and instruction. God does not hate his children, but he does sometimes withhold his love. Now we are ready to look at Paul's premise for this second legal midrash and the logic of his reasoning. Though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Now this is not a quotation. This is Paul talking in Romans 9, 11 to 13. That's the, it's the, the, the premise for, for what's going to follow here. Thus God is making the selection of who will be worthy to inherit the birthright and serve in the remnant. From the premise of this second legal midrash, Paul has offered proof by citing two verses that are legally and conceptually similar. Both verses identify God's selection of a younger son instead of the firstborn who was born to the inheritance of the birthright. Thus, the two midrashic arguments are related. First, Isaac will carry on the name of Abraham as the one worthy to inherit the birthright. He is a child of promise who is walking in the ways of righteousness, not in the ways of the flesh. Now we see that God has also selected Jacob on whom he has bestowed his love, not Esau, who did not merit God's love and grace. The reason for God withholding his love from Esau was caused by Esau's unworthy behavior of selling his birthright. Paul then reasons from Scripture that the choice is clearly God's. We mortal human beings have no say or influence in God's choice as to who will inherit the birthright and serve in the remnant. God is sovereign in his selection. We can now return to Paul's original premise in Romans 9, verse 5, which precedes his two Midrashic arguments about God's selection of those who will inherit the birthright. They are not all children who are from Israel. Paul is talking to Jews who knew they had been born to the birthright as God's firstborn son. Furthermore, God had placed them in a privileged position, as Paul declares with ironic exaggeration, my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are the Israelites to whom belongs the adoption of sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises whose are the fathers, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. The downfall of these Jewish believers in Rome was caused by their pride in this privileged role as God's firstborn son. God had established a covenant relationship with them and had given them his law. However, as we read in Proverbs, pride comes before the fall. The sin of the Jewish believers in Rome was their pride in an elevated status as God's chosen people and in their superior knowledge of the law. They had not acknowledged God's gift of the Holy Spirit to those with faith in his Son, which circumcises the heart and allows believers to walk in the ways of the law by their love and faith in Christ. The Jews whom Paul was addressing lacked the wisdom to walk in a way that was worthy in God's eyes. Just as Ishmael lost the birthright because he was unworthy to carry on the name of Abraham, and as Esau brought dishonor upon himself by selling his birthright, so God is withholding his love from those today 
who are unworthy of the birthright. This is the message of Paul's legal midrash that initiates Romans chapters 9 to 11. If you have listened to my explanation of Paul's two related midrashic arguments in Romans 9, 6 through 13, then I suggest you are a serious student of the Bible, and I encourage you to purchase my four books on the remnant. They are available from Amazon in three formats, paperback, Kindle, and Audible. The audio version is synchronized with Kindle if you choose to go back and forth between the two. I highly recommend that you read the four books in order, starting with Israel's inheritance, then moving on to a remnant of the church. Then the third book is the role of the remnant in the Great Tribulation and the Millennial Kingdom, and ending with exciting disclosures in the end of time revealed in Israel's fall festivals.